Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Dr. Carl Hart is an American neuroscientist. He's a professor of neuroscience and psychology at Columbia University and is known for his research in drug abuse and drug addiction. He's just released a brilliant book called Drug Use for Grownups. Now, to the title of today's podcast is The Science of What Drugs Do to Your Brain. To the unexpecting listener who's not familiar with your work, they might be expecting us to discuss the downsides of the terrible drug use, whereas in fact, We're going to look into the objective and scientific and surprising upsides as well of drug use and what is sadly in both our views considered actually a counterculture approach. So before we get into that, can you set the scene with a short introduction to yourself, please? Yeah, uh, I'm Carl Hart. I'm I'm a professor at Columbia University, and my research focuses on studying the effects of drugs like cocaine, marijuana, methamphetamine in in humans. And we want to know things like What do drugs do to the brain, behavior, social interactions, food intake, sleep, the wide wide variety of sort of effects we're interested in. And so I hope we have a good conversation. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to start off with really is, you know, when people hear about what drugs do, often they focus on psychedelics and consciousness expanding drugs. But for the purpose of this chat, I want us to focus, you know, more on your core work. So we're going to focus on some of the more surprising ones like cocaine and heroin, which you yourself have opened up to being a regular user of. So let's start there. You know, let's set set the context of, you know, you are what you preach and what you teach. Well, um, when we think about psychedelics, um, psilocybin, a wide range of drugs, um, all of these drugs are essentially the same. Um, when we separate them in these categori- categories, it's um, basically done for the benefit of the person who's separating these drugs. But they're just chemicals and they interact with receptors in our brains. And those receptors are there because we have natural chemicals like the ones that uh, we use, like the drugs we use. And so when people start separating them, um, uh, you should be suspicious uh, that something political, social is going on and not biological. And, and so I think that's the first thing. And um, so when I talk about uh, having used cocaine, heroin, these sort of things, I've also used the other drugs that have been classified as uh, psychedelics. But I just don't talk about that as much because... Um, Psychedelics already have proponents, and these proponents uh, have done a good job of rehabilitating uh, the reputation of psychedelics while leaving in the dust um, the reputation of these other drugs. And so um, the psychedelics don't really need me. Uh, in fact, uh, we, we need the psychedelic people to start paying attention to these other drugs. Okay, so let's start with what these drugs do, both from your experience and scientifically to our brain. So, um, you know, cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, these are the ones that you specialize on on speaking about. So you pick the order, give us a little bit of education to open minds who are interested in science, not politics. I always feel uncomfortable talking about this in public because, you know, I have a PhD in neuroscience, and so you 
do all these years of studies and trying to understand what, what's going on in the brain. And you still, we still are learning. But just briefly, if we take a drug, something like methamphetamine, uh, what an area in the brain that we've studied quite a bit and learned quite a bit is what uh, methamphetamine or amphetamines do to um, the monoamine neurotransmitters. Uh, the monoamine neurotransmitters are things like serotonin, dopamine, neuropinephrine. If you look at the chemical structure of the amphetamines and you look at the chemical structures of the monoamines, they look similarly. The amphetamines are taken up into a cell like it's a monoamine neurotransmitter. And then it kind of disrupts the uh, storage of these uh, neurotransmitters such that it causes a release of these neurotransmitters um, uh, into the synapse. And so when neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, neuropinephrine are released, uh, a variety of things can occur. That when we have the stress response, these neurotransmitters are released. They also are released uh, when people are experiencing pleasure um, and movement, a wide range of behaviors. But it's more complicated because you say, like, you're stressed and these neurotransmitters are released uh, and you might feel anxious. But when you're feeling happy and, and, and pleasurable, these neurotransmitters are released. So it's, we still don't understand the precise combination that's required for pleasure. If we move to something like cocaine, on that same sort of system, cocaine, what it does is that it prevents the neurotransmitters from being taken back up into the cell and being reused. So once the neurotransmitter is released, cocaine blocks the reuptake of that neurotransmitter uh, back into the cells. And then if we think about something like the opioids, heroin, those drugs interact primarily with the endogenous opioid system. The endogenous opioid system uh, has a, a wide range of effects uh, or in the brain. One is to uh, reduce pain, stimulation of these endogenous opioid receptors, reduce pain. In other cases, it can enhance pleasure, uh, euphoria. When we kind of started our focus on this neurotransmitter system, there were only about six identified neurotransmitters. Today, there are over 100 neurotransmitters, but our knowledge uh, or our sort of belief or our theories haven't appreciably uh, been updated to uh, accommodate all of these uh, newly identified neurotransmitters. Broadly speaking, in more, uh, you know, human terms, like what are the positive effects of such, you know, we call them illegal drugs? And what are the scientifically proven negative effects of such drugs? And is it possible to understand on a broader sense, you know, if the positive outweighs the negative, like objectively speaking? Yeah, you don't need a scientist to tell you the positive effects of these drugs. I mean, if people think about alcohol, what are the positive effects of alcohol? Well, the, uh, alcohol can facilitate uh, social interactions. It can function as an um, anxiolytic or anti-anxiety uh, drug. It can, you know, those are all beneficial, can be beneficial effects. And then if we think of some of the negative effects. If people overdo it, uh, particularly in, in extreme cases, if people are dependent on alcohol after, you know, years of use and then they abruptly discontinue their alcohol use, they might die. And so the question is, um, 
do the positive outweigh the negatives? Well, our society has decided, yes, they do. And, and because the negative effects uh, can be minimized with some basic education, basic common sense, the same is true with heroin. The same is true with cocaine. But those drugs have been historically vilified, not for pharmacological reasons, not for scientific reasons, but because of social and political reasons. So when we think about the, what are the beneficial effects of cocaine, let's say, well, cocaine can make the person feel energetic. That's a good thing. Cocaine can also make the person feel euphoric. Uh, if you feel better, you're more likely to treat people better. Good thing. Uh, the negative thing uh, about cocaine, sometimes if people get into heavy cocaine use, it can disrupt your sleep. Uh, you know, and constant disruption of your sleep can lead to all kinds of psychological problems, uh, physical problems. Uh, sleep is one of the most important sort of human uh, functions. And, and if you don't sleep, you, you can get in trouble. So that's a negative effect. But when you objectively weigh the negative and the positive, the positives far outweigh the negative. But what the society looks at is, uh, as a negative effect of, of cocaine is usually... Uh, related to cocaine's illegality and not cocaine's pharmacology. So when we see cocaine, we say, oh, somebody um, had a horrible negative effect with cocaine. Uh, they had a cardiac event or a heart attack or something. And, and then what you find out is that cocaine is cut with some, I don't know, some adulterant that's not good for you. And um, it's not pure cocaine. And that's the problem. Or you find out that people are um, they're paranoid uh, and you find out that, well, you have a reason to be paranoid. The police will arrest you, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, so you can do the same thing with the opioids. Uh, opioids are excellent for decreasing emotional pain, physical pain, increasing euphoria, increasing openness and uh, forgiveness. All of these sorts of things, they're good. But that, those are positive effects. Negative effects... Well, uh, if you take opioids too much and not attending to your digestive system, you can become constipated. And if you're constipated constantly, that's not a good thing. That's just one of the potential negative effects. And you also can have withdrawal, but this withdrawal typically wouldn't kill you like alcohol. But again, you can weigh the negatives versus the positive. And thinking about, though, that many of the negative effects that we attribute to the opioids are really related to the restriction or the illegality of these drugs and not the pharmacology of the drugs. I hope that helps. It certainly does. And actually, it's a perfect chance to say, you know, if you could summarize into your top three takeaways for listeners looking to understand, um, which I know is always hard, right, synthesizing a, a lot of what you've just said down into um, something simple, but on the science of what drugs do, and if the impact is positive over negative, what would your three top takeaways be to remember? I would ask people to think about it rationally and objectively and not emotionally. Just think about the effects of cocaine. And you can do the amphetamine use exactly the same. And now you evaluate what you think the society should do. And also, mind you, you should understand that cocaine's effects last a lot shorter than amphetamine's effects. So if you want to like take cocaine at a party, but you have to also get to sleep, you're probably better off taking cocaine as opposed to amphetamine because amphetamine's effects last longer and it would disrupt sleep longer. So with that basic sort of amount of information, now you can make a rational choice. 
but the important thing is that you have a pure drug and not drug that's adulterated because that's not cocaine, that's something else. When you look at it from that perspective, it's clear that you should be allowed to make that decision and this should be available to you because there will be people who get in trouble and you, they see those uh, negative effects pr primarily. But that's the case with any activity, driving an automobile. In the United States, we lose 40,000 people every year because of automobile accidents. But we don't ban automobiles. Instead, we try to enhance the safety of that activity. The same is true with drugs. Um, and so uh, you think of yourself as an adult. If you are an adult, shouldn't you have the right to make that decision for yourself? Imagine if we banned alcohol because of its negative effects, which there are negative effects associated with alcohol. But we have decided that most of us can handle this and uh, there is a small minority that get in trouble. And we try to enhance the safety of this activity by, by a number of means, uh, and, but we don't ban it. So why are we banning heroin? Why are we banning cocaine? And people say, well, because you already have the availability of one uh, drug that you had some problems with. Why add, a, why add another? Well, many of these problems go away when you legally regulate the market because you now don't have the issues related to uh, your concern about engaging in illegal activity. You now no longer have the concern about having adulterated substance. And you also live according to the principle that says that you are free. You are free to make these decisions. That's more important. That's the most important thing that you are not living, you are not living in a society that is filled with hypocrisy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at your heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how healthy your brain is, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain health to get your free score from one to 100. See you next time. <laughs>